Excellent. So here we are with with Ian McLean, is it? Yep. Ian McLean from the Wild Whiskey Podcast. Now, what's quite fun about your podcast that I enjoy is that if someone hears you say to them, oh, you should listen to the Wild Whiskey Podcast, they'll be like, oh, but I don't drink whiskey. And it's like, yeah, but neither do I. But I just learned how like, air conditioning came around, man. <laughs> you know, it's not something you expect from a podcast of that kind of name. That's what I like. I like being kept on my toes. Yeah, and the whole title, I was uh, early on in my education, my my college education. I had to to basically pick a thesis that what I was going to kind of that was going to drive my education in, with history because I'm a big history guy. And I said I I want to I want to study whiskey. And my professor was like, he, he asked, he's like, why whiskey? And I, I had to explain myself in the whole course of why I was going to research and study the history of whiskey in America and its impact and influence over the years. And and so that once he asked that question, that question just kind of stuck with me. And and I was like, all right, cool. That's that's it. That's the name of my podcast. It's got to be the Why Whiskey Podcast. So without trying to sound fucking corny or anything, why whiskey? Like why was why was that your thing you wanted to go for? So American history is is a very bizarre, weird thing, and uh, I love I'm the sure Wild West history, man. Oh yeah, and it has so many crazy parts and pieces, and in the weirdest parts of it, you can always find uh, alcohol. Booze has been a thing, whether <laughs> whether we're we're like seriously for like the first. Uh, 30 years of the 19th century, everybody in America was just drunk the whole time. I love so, how every good night and historical event starts with a drink. <laughs> exactly. All the best ideas born in a pub or a tavern. They really are. Yeah. So so that really drove my interest to see what what was it about booze? You know, is it is it just our, our spirit of rebellion? Because we do have a lot of that. Is it is there some sort of connection to to booze itself to alcohol that we have you know we're genetically dispositioned to to like it and consume it all the time, uh, or are we just a bunch of crazy people that like to party like uh, is trying to trying to figure that out and see and you look at some of the over our our history our military history you know some of the the best leaders in our military have you know they they were I wouldn't say raging alcoholics but they were definitely consumers of of alcohol. Well, and Napoleon had a brandy named after him. True. Yeah, True, but those French, knew, those French folks were all bizarre. Branding, man. Yeah. He was crazy. So, so what was there like, there's always like a fun reason to look into stuff, because back when I used to drink whiskey, I used to love reading like the box it came in, because me and Ad, we, we were always single malt guys, weren't we? Mm, yeah. Mm. And for us, it was, it's got to be a minimum of 10 years old. Now, for you guys, I imagine things like scotch is a lot more expensive than it is here because of like the import and export taxing and stuff. But obviously, I mean, we can shake hands with somebody in Scotland. So it's like pretty easy for us. But was there any particular story that made you think, well, that's really interesting that made you want to find out more like whiskey based stories? Absolutely. So being a military guy, looking at whiskey makers, so there's a lot of a lot of brands here, American whiskey, uh, that have, were all made by veterans, folks that have served. And the the military connection with the whiskey is kind of where I got started with that. Once I realized that 
the dudes who started making the stuff that I'm enjoying today served in World War II, World War One, whiskey, you know, the whiskey rebellion. And honestly, I, I guess I got to the whiskey rebellion would probably be the the, the big one. Because whiskey was the only reason that a, a sitting U.S. president got into a uniform and led soldiers. Now, it was George Washington. He barely squeezed back into his uniform, and he really didn't even get to the rebellion before everybody got super scared and bailed. But it was, it, you know, the the fort was, was there. Yeah, yeah. He he made the <laughs> flex, and and the farmers took off running. So those stories kind of got me into it and the folks who who make it looking at their connections to to history george washington himself huge whiskey maker Mm. they actually recently within i'd say the last decade have restarted the distillery there at mount vernon and uh and they're making whiskey with his original recipe in his original distillery where he had it there on the property so there isn't really a, a particular label, but even looking like a scotch, uh, scotch or Irish whiskey, both have these beautiful romantic stories of of where they came from, how they started, where they've gone in their. Is there one, is there one in particular? Powers. To mind? Yeah. Powers whiskey. It probably has one of the most uh, romantic stories I, I've ever heard. I got the chance to sit down with Derek King, who's their brand ambassador and chat about the history of, of the brand and looking at the, the story of how Irish whiskey was the premier whiskey in the world for years. And then it had this just dramatic falling off to where it almost disappeared altogether. Uh, but along that journey, you know, John Powers made it because he loved it and he would share his whiskey, the three swallows story. He would share, he would always bring a, a, a a flask, I guess. And he had his driver of the carriage, the coachman, and then the doorman. So there was three folks and he would always bring a swallow for each of them of his whiskey as a, as a thank you, as a tip or whatever. And, and so that's where their, their three swallow, uh, the story of their three swallows came from. And it's just, it's beautiful and, and romantic, crazy things like that, that really intrigue me and, and bring me in. And the story behind the whiskey and each one has been, really fantastic that's just the the one that sticks with me the most yeah, it's nice when something like just a little tradition between friends can suddenly explode to something that then becomes folklore like that absolutely uh, when you look at world war one you know the, there was a a get-together on christmas uh the germans and the allies met on the battlefield called a ceasefire and shared booze and played soccer, uh, football. I believe you guys call that. But uh, oh, I didn't know that it was actually well, real. It was actually yeah. it was actually real then. Oh shit, man! That that happened. And and again, I mean, uh, so you can make the the connection to sports as well. What unifies people? Uh, booze and sports. <laughs> yeah. Even even people who legit stopped trying to kill each other on this day got together, hung out, and then started killing each other again the day after. <laughs> Uh, that break and, and that, you know, uh, so there's there's some romantic soldier shit right there, too. But yeah, sure. uh, but, you know, the, the fact that booze was present and and sports were present and that that got uniformed enemies to stop, take a break and enjoy each other's company. Yeah, there's a really beautiful and equal parts tragic photograph somewhere. And there's a Christmas tree in the middle 
and either side of this Christmas tree is um, one side you've got three British soldiers, the other side you've got three German soldiers. And on the British side, on the tree, they've hung a German grenade. And on the German side of the tree, they've hung a British grenade. And you can see them all smiling and enjoying it themselves. But then you think, oh, that next day they're, they're shooting at each other again. It's, it is sad, but at the same time, it's, just, it's, it's nice that humanity manages to pierce through even the hardest times like that. And that speaks a lot to soldiers, you know, professional soldiers who are able to make that distinction. You know, they and, and that paints a, a very clear picture of of duty, a sense of duty. Right. So you're you're there to perform your duty assigned to you by whatever army you belong to or, or you know military force you belong to. But you're not a machine. Um, these guys are are bad dudes, but they're bad dudes to you. You're bad dudes to them. And there's that understanding and mutual respect of, uh, you know, warriors in battle. And it's a crazy thing to think about, really. And and the day after, I always go to the day after, because legit the next the next morning, they're dropping artillery shells and killing the exact same guys that they were singing songs with and and mm. drinking whiskey with. Um, but they didn't lose the human aspect of it. You know, they, they understood and were able to just shut the switch off and go from soldier warrior to, you know, Ian and Adam. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's people like me and Ad though, I think are very fortunate that we can take things like that for granted as well, because like, I obviously can't speak on your behalf, but I don't think, I mean, are the conditions out in like the Middle East comparable to those of like no man's land in World War One? Not, not even remotely close. No. So I, I, so you, you would have a better idea than I would for sure. But if it's just, I'm very lucky that I haven't got a, know that by like first hand yeah nor, it very... nor bloody should i fuck that <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, I very... it's bad enough you want to see me with standing me shoes mate no one in that regiment's getting sleep because i'm moaning <laughs> all the way home if Stan stayed in the shoes, I would have been happy. It, it gets in places that you have absolutely no idea how the fuck it got there. And you're just all of a sudden, you're like, how the, how the fuck did I get sand under my junk? How did it get, like, where did it come from? Oh, it just, it, yeah, right. no, it's so, it's so Start bad. Start discovering new holes in your body you didn't know you had. Yeah, for real. For oh, real. it does. Sand doesn't stop there, does it? And it, it stays no. in the house for weeks. It's like, it's like a pine needles after a Christmas tree dies. You're finding those fuckers in August. We might take buying one. He's like, we're going to get a real Christmas tree this year. I was like, phew, I ain't fucking doing that again. Trust me. <laughs> <laughs> we stopped getting real trees, I think, about six years ago because of the needles. And getting the oh. needles out of the goddamn carpet was a nightmare. Yeah, do you have cats? Because they take them everywhere with them. <sighs> we, we did have cats uh, for a while. Our daughters, our older daughters, have left the house. Unfortunately, the cats have gone with them. Thank God. Uh, but uh, yeah, I'm not I'm not a cat guy at all. No, I don't mind cats, but given the choice, I, I'm definitely a, a dog man. Yeah, I love a dog. 
Beating. Yeah, there's a there's a companionship there, isn't there? It's like when you see a dog and they're really happy to see you. Like a cat will come over running and you're like, oh, you're all right, and then you realise you haven't got food and he fucks off. But yeah. a dog comes over and even if you haven't got food, he's like, oh, I forgive you because we're buddies. <laughs> well, the cat comes over because it's plotting how to kill you. It, oh yeah, it, under, under the guise of friendship. Yeah, they're yeah. they're not friends. I've seen they're the way they look at me. <laughs> When I'm walking down the street and they're looking at me through the window, it's like, mate, if I had the chance, they would take me down in an instant where you walk past dogs, they look at the window and they're like, <gasps> someone to play with. Yep. Do you guys have dogs? Yeah, oh, yeah, I've got, I've got, uh, I've got the smallest dog you can imagine. Oh, um, he's so I've, sweet though. I'm, I'm, I'm a big, I'm a big guy. Um, and my dog is so small. He's a, he's a Jack Russell, but he's a really small Jack Russell. And, um, yeah, he's, he's a cushy little dude, but he's got fucking anger management problems at the minute. <laughs> it must be, a, it must be, a, it must be a small guy syndrome or something. But he's fucking like, I, I, I collect knives and vintage, vintage knives from Sweden and stuff like that. And I've got a box next to where I sit and I look at them and play with them all the time. Now, Alfie, my little dog, fucking obviously sees dad playing with something that's not him if i stand up and my knife's on the side he will literally pick up a knife and he'll run around the fucking caravan with a knife in his mouth so all of a sudden i've got this little dog that weighs seven kilos so it's one stone with a knife in his mouth and it's like what the fuck am i gonna do how how do i stop this how do i control this situation a little 25 pound dog running around with a blade <laughs> yeah <laughs> I would not control that situation at all. I would leave that just as it is because you probably have the most badass dog in the world. Like, can you imagine yeah. if somebody comes over to your house and your Jack Russell's running around with a knife? Like, my dog will cut you. Like, my, my manners. Or my dog will cut you. That's no, amazing. I'm buying your dog a hoodie. He's got a hoodie. Oh, man. Yeah, when, when we got him, because we rescued a him. Hoodie from and a him. knife. Yeah, he's got like a little grey hoodie, so it looks like a proper like English chav with like a knife in his mouth and a, and a hoodie. I just need to put a fag in his mouth, put a little cigarette in his mouth, he'll be well up for it. Yes, yeah, like a little gold chain necklace. Oh, don't, don't. Yeah, that, that's that's my that's my that's my little doggy. Aaron's got. Have you got a dog, dude? Or is he? Uh, no, we um we had a dog a few years ago, but she died of a brain tumor. Oh. And that was um that was quite hard on mum, so she didn't want to get a dog after that, but. Every summer now, for the past three summers, we've been dog-sitting for my um, brother. So Lola comes down for the summer, and she's a lot of fun. And that's made mum want to get another dog. Mm, sure. So nice. we're hoping to get one again soon, but it's just it's having the money as well. Because there's no point getting one if you can't afford to take care of it. It ain't fair. Absolutely. Well, like we, yourself, like, Ian. we like rescue dogs as well. Yeah, I, I have a rescue dog myself. She's a, a six-year-old, la- or uh, not lab, she's a hound dog. Uh, salty old bitch, super smelly, but I uh-huh. I love her to death. Oh yeah, <laughs> it, they I just get to you, though, don't they? Don't they? Mm. Like yeah, character they've got. Like you say, they get to you. They they find a way to get right under your skin and just stay there like forever in the best way ever. Yeah, she's got these massive ears, and that's why she stinks because she's a hound dog, and we live in a high humidity area, so we're always putting drops and stuff in them. But uh. But yeah, she's she's got this just big old sad face. She's never sad. She's always happy, and she'll just come over and. Uh, so he's a hound dog, like a basset hound, is it? Uh, no, she's a plot hound. Which I'm don't ask me the difference between yeah, a basset and a plot I'm hound. I have no idea. Um, 
dog breeds. A lot, like the ones that are like really weird, like Sharpays and Chihuahuas and stuff like that. They're easy. But when people were like, "Oh yeah, it's like a, an Alsatian fucking this, that, and the other," I'm just like, <laughs> "Was it?" I only learnt like I think earlier this year that an Alsatian was a German Shepherd. They have a different name for it. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't know that. Yeah, apparently so. I was like, oh, okay. I, I always knew it was a German Shepherd, and but I always knew Alsatians were around. But I just know I did have the same thing. I'm surprised Americans didn't rename it Freedom Shepherds or something weird. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, Freedom yeah. Shepherd Eagle Platoon. Yeah. Yep, there you go. <laughs> yeah, the Alsatian German Shepherds are the same dog. Basically, the name just comes from the German French border of Alsatian. Um, and German shepherds, because the British were locked into fierce battle with the German forces that used these dogs um, as protection, guardians, blah, 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 blah. Just a boring story for you there. And the plot hound is the pack hunting plot dog breed was developed in North Carolina 200 years ago to hunt bear and wild boar. That's mad, isn't it? It's, yeah, like it the, um, it's like the pug, isn't it? That was, that was bred a few hundred years back to hunt fucking lions. The fucking pug. A bug. Yeah, yeah, that has no face. Yeah, well, that's what they bred it for, so it could get right underneath into the neck, so it could latch on and then just dangle, and it's small size, the um, lion wouldn't be able to get it off. Was that actually bred to hunt lions? Yeah, mate, I'm never betting on a pug. In a, in a fight, you give me ten pugs against one lion, I'm betting on that lion every day. Every day. <laughs> I have never seen a vicious pug. Yeah, Not even like, the ones that try to get vicious, they're always hiding behind something. Yeah, it's like, bro, you don't you, you don't even have a nose. Like, how can you be a scary dog if you don't even have a nose? Like, get yeah, out of here. what's your problem? Yeah. You can't even breathe properly. We get, we get it. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah, but it was uh, the Chinese. Uh, um, yeah, Chinese, there's actually a forum, there's a forum on Reddit at the moment that is saying, this is a serious debate I'm trying to have. How many pugs would it take to kill a lion? And people are like <laughs> arguing on it, saying, well, technically one, if it's got a good shot to its throat, or technically, you know, it would take this many. It's, it could technically, one pug could kill a sleeping lion. Now, I'm not being funny, guys. We're all fucking blokes here. We can. I'm not going to bet money on a pug and a lion, like we just said. That's a ridiculous bet. Right, I'm pretty sure I could kill a pug while it's awake by that's myself. It. Do you think I'm, do you think I can then sit there and say, well, and that's if in that mathematics then, I can now also kill a lion while it's sleeping. Like fuck can I? <laughs> I can choke out a pug and take him out all day long and his family and eat them. But you think I'm going to go after a lion that's sleeping with me bare hands? Fuck that. No mate, I'm not betting on a pug ever. <laughs> So why aren't you fucking? Not. Why aren't you fucking with the lion? Because it's exactly. a cat. Yeah, that's it. Just yeah, saying. that's it. Pugs yeah. are racist. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. To be fair, lions and fucking tigers are like the scariest animals, man, because they are big, strong, evil fuckers, and they are, like you said, they're fucking cats. So yeah. like little kitty cats. They just, oh, they rip your fucking head off. Have you guys watched some of these, like, Discovery Channel videos of the people who go, like, embed themselves with a pride of lions, and then uh, they're, like, petting them? And yeah. I, I, that, no, absolutely insane. There was a dude here in America that went up to the Grizzly Maze and lived for years. I forget what his name was. 
up in the grizzly maze in Alaska, and he thought he had formed this relationship with these bears, these grizzly bears. That was a mistake. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, guess what he ended up as? Mate. Bear. Like, he legit, him and his girlfriend ended up getting getting nuked by a, a grizzly bear right before it went to hibernate. So they, and everybody was like, I can't believe it. Oh, my God. Like, the guy was snuggling wild grizzly bears. What did you think was going to happen? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Timothy Treadwell. Timothy yeah. Treadwell. That's it. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Who Which was that is, actress? If you have well, time. Yeah. If you have time. Cats. Oh. Was it Jodie Foster? Had all those fucking massive cats around her. One of those actresses. Oh, then I do. Yeah, I don't know. One of, one of them grew up. But, but yeah, if you've got time, sorry, I totally interrupted you there. Yeah, Timothy Treadwells. He's got um, fatal obsession with Alaskan bears. Um, it's on Amazon and shit like that. There's loads of fucking. There's a book about it. There's some documentaries about it. If you get time and you need something to just really laugh at, like super hard, watch the documentary because it. Watching this guy in the wild with bears is absolutely hilarious, and you see how certifiably crazy he is. Like, absolutely nuts. And it's it's entertainment until the very end, when of course he passes on, and that's unfortunate. But my wife and I watched that from, from start to finish, and we were laughing our tits off the whole time. Oh, nothing like laughing at someone being dismembered by the bears they love. Well, we didn't get to, we didn't see that part, but yeah. Oh, gutted. Well, we've said it before, man. You know, Darwin is a, Darwin is a man, it's a, a non discriminant bitch. Mm. It happens. If you're going to go, uh, you know, if you're going to have a picnic on the beach and the seagulls turn up. You shouldn't be shocked if you're going to go hug it, go around hugging wild bears that live off creatures that have meat on them. Chances are you're probably going to go. Yeah. Have you seen some of the people who fucking get like attacked by like swiped by a bear and they're still alive? Fucking hell! There's there's a guy there's a guy uh, who I saw. It was a video and he's literally drenched in blood and half of his fucking head like is flapped over and you can see his skull. And he's just walking up the road, going, oh, I'm so lucky I had my bear spray. I couldn't get to my pistol in time. Oh, I really need to go to the hospital. And it's like, dude, you're, you're literally about to die, man. And it's like, them bears don't fuck about. You know, I wouldn't... Oh, fuck that, boy. And they're quick as well, aren't they? They can climb trees and all sorts. They're incredibly fast. We lived in Alaska. We were stationed at Fort Rich for three years. And we fished in the summer. And that yeah, was always the thing. Rich. Yeah. The, the bears were always there, and uh, it was oh, it was funny. More people were hurt trying to shoot the bear, so they were like self inflicted gunshot wounds than people were actually hurt by bears. Right. So it was it was the funniest thing. People would shoot themselves in the leg all the time trying to get their gun out to kill a bear that wasn't even didn't even really give a shit about them. So they were in there just to grab the the salmon. But yeah, their bears are scary, man. They're they're monsters. They're huge. I've seen yeah. a video of um uh, there's a bear. I think it was two guys fishing, obviously, for salmon. And the guy was like, it's obviously American. And it was like, dude, there's a bear right there. It's coming towards us. And the, the other guy was like, just just stay calm. Just stay calm. And this fucking bear walks straight past them, walks up to the lake. Uh, I think he has a drink out of the lake. Turns around. And it, the, honestly, like just looking at the video and these two blokes just standing there, the size of the fucking bear. And then the bear just fucks off back to the forest. I'm, I'm sorry, I would have had brown trousers. I would have been crapping my pants if a bear oh, that big. 100%. Like, 
you know, that some of the Americans have got some big old bollocks. You know, because <laughs> it's, it's like we spoke to um, we spoke to a guy from Florida. Uh, we spoke to a guy. Um, what's his name? Oh, that's how good I am with names. Callum, oh. Malcolm, or yeah, um, some, Graham, some, yeah, whatever his name was. Jeffrey. And he was telling he was telling us stories about like um, alligators and, and like throwing alligators at people. Like literally, people used to like throw alligators in bathtubs and that in Florida and snakes and, and, and shit threw, like that. Um, and threw, uh, and also used to throw them through um, driving windows at people at the uh, registers. Yeah, drive-throughs and that. Yeah, and like, the, some of them would come in as well with like um, an alligator in their hands to like rob a shop with, like to, to like <laughs> to like rob a store then, or, or a bank. They'd go in just holding like a fucking alligator, pointing it at people. <laughs> it, Florida is is wild. So when you look at America as a whole, like there's America and then Florida. And if you you can be entertained in New York City for days. But if you want real adventure, don't go to the prairie. Don't go to the mountains. Go spend a couple of weeks in Florida and you will experience all I of the crazy it. that America has to offer. <laughs> it's, it's wild. It's oh, like the penis of America, isn't it? Oh, it is. It's, just pokes there. It just, it's just shooting its load all over Europe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh yes, we're onto them and their tricks. Uh, you know, I'd love to go out there just for the uh, culture, man. Because I remember like watching. Um, I used to watch that show Dexter, and I never. I, used to, I enjoyed the first couple seasons, but that's neither here nor there. But when I was while I was watching it, I was quite fascinated with like the parts of the culture it would show, like some of the a lot of the street theatre and like all the stalls out and like all the different foods and shit. Because you've got like a huge like Latina sort of um population in like Miami and Florida and that so you you just get all these different like they, they were saying on like this program before I was watching it you can walk down any given street on um like central like Miami on the marketplace and hear like 20 different dialects it just sounds incredible yeah we I uh, spent a lot of time uh, in and around New York City, and New York City has uh, similar to uh, not as uh, heavy on the Latin culture, but uh, a huge melting pot of of different cultures. And we, I lived there for two weeks. I was going to a course a lot there. Of Chinese, every, in the, yeah, yeah, yep, Chinatown. Yeah. yeah, you want some real real Asian food? You head down to yeah, uh, just I, south I of think, town. Yeah, I think I remember hearing somewhere that the um, that Chinatown in New York is the biggest Chinese population outside of China or something like in the Western like hemisphere or something or wherever we are. Really? Like. Yeah, apparently. Hmm. I don't know how true that is. Ad will probably have to check it, double check it for us because he's got lightning fingers. He's worked in offices. <laughs> yeah, a few years ago now, but yeah. Yeah, but you talked on the phone whilst reading and typing. All at the same time. I couldn't do that. I'd be there hunting and pecking with one finger and saying to the bloke on the phone, like, can you just give me one fucking minute? <laughs> uh, no, Indonesia is the next place with... Um, oh, is it? Yeah, it's Indonesia with 10.7 oh, well, million... That's, that's in the East Coast still, isn't it? Oh, oh, okay. If you want to go over... Yeah, okay, in, you in, are in, right. in, the, in, the, in the Western Hemisphere, apparently, like, or whatever yeah, they call it. Yeah, it's five and a half million um, Chinese people. In America. Is that in Chinatown, New York, is it? Uh, I couldn't get Chinatown, New York, but then there's 1.9 million in Canada. Damn, well, yeah. there's, there's quite a few kicking about. Yeah, well, yeah. I know Mandarin's the, um, the the number one highest native speaking language, 
but English is the most universal because most other countries like learn it. But, yes. Yeah, but if you're going for native languages, and Mandarin's like the number one by like by like a huge margin. In New York City alone, there is eight hundred ninety-three thousand six hundred ninety-seven Chinese people. It's not bad, New York City. That is fucking a lot of people. Yeah, and when you think the majority of that's probably going to be Chinatown. I mean, I'd, I'd happily because New York's pretty big. And if you're including like Buffalo and shit, I'd, I'd happily give that fifty-fifty. Like fifty percent of that would probably be amongst the whole city itself and the surrounding areas. And then maybe fifty percent in Chinatown, but I know Chinatown in New York's meant to be fucking huge. I mean, I can't speak for it; I've not been there, but there's some it's, amazing documentaries about it. It's a great part of town. We we always enjoyed going down there, and I, I would be willing to bet that a lot of those folks live out away from Manhattan because living on Manhattan is ridiculously expensive and stupid. And very few people do. A lot of them live out in the other boroughs, you know, the Bronx, Queens and Brooklyn, and they, they commute in. But yeah, Chinatown was a lot of fun. Little Italy was right there too. Uh, right. They kind of connected. So whenever we would go on food adventures, that's kind of where we would, oh, we would go. God, it'd be like my Sophie's choice, having to choose between Italian and Chinese. Oh. If I had one night left and it was you're in you're in New York and you can either have Italian or Chinese, mate, I'd feel like just just leave me in Subway to cry. It could be both or give me death. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. New York City's the place for you, man. Like they they've got it all, and it's like right close together. So, and that's just uh, you know, that's south of Midtown. You've got Hell's Kitchen, which is up just off of uh, uh off of Broadway. So that's up in uh. That's recently, north of, just uh, north of Midtown. Just yesterday, actually, I watched a movie based in Hell's Kitchen, that movie Sleepers. Yes. Yeah, good movie. That's, Hard to watch, but um, good movie. That's with, like, uh, Michelle McCarthy, right? Or Melissa McCarthy? Oh, no, this was with um, uh, Robert De Niro, uh, Brad Pitt. Uh, it's like at mid-90s. Oh, shit. Yeah, no, I haven't seen that then. Yeah. Uh, oh, right. yeah, good guys, you just fucking, you just lost, mate. What the fuck are you on about? I thought Hell's Kitchen was something with Golden Ramsay in. Oh, Hell's Kitchen. <laughs> Honestly, a real I, I'm not even trying to be fucking funny. You're saying about Hell's Kitchen's up the road, and I'm sitting there googling Hell's Kitchen, and all I'm getting is Golden Ramsay. I'm thinking he's got a restaurant up there, and now I'm reading it's some poor, something, yeah, a bastion of poor and working class Irish Americans. Yeah, is that so that's, yeah, that's where it's, Hell's, that's how Hell's it started. Kitchen, yeah, because Hell's Kitchen's like um, for the is for the Irish, what like Harlem was for the blacks, right? Yep, kind of thing. Yeah. Now it's it's like this crazy. It's turned into this this crazy food uh, area. So, like I said, it's just off of Broadway. Uh, kind of, if you go to the west, like gentrified. Uh, is that what they call it? I think that is. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's that's the word going around, isn't it? Gentrified in, in areas. Oh yes, hips of paradises. So, what's, what's the food like in Hell's Kitchen? What can what, give us the lowdown? Uh, you can find whatever you want there. Yes, so we, uh, I had to, I had to break the wife out when we would go because she's this, uh, she's a crazy pizza person. So we would go most of the time. We go down. It was to find the next best pizza, and uh, and we would we did lots of lots of pizza tours. So, but uh, but yeah, getting her to to break out to the through Little Italy through Chinatown and then up through Hell's Kitchen. There was a lot of it's a lot of swanky stuff up towards Hell's Kitchen. So mm-hmm. uh, we're we're just kind of you know some some blue blood Americans that you know give yeah, us a good it. give us a good burger. I don't need the burger to look pretty. I just need it to taste good. You know exactly. It's gonna it's gonna look and smell the same when you shit it out. So I don't need <laughs> to look. Like 
I don't very, look like very a work true. of art, mate. If I want a sculpture, I'll fuck off to the museum, you know what I mean? Fucking give me a burger, fucking knife and fork for the chipsies, and I'll just smash it down with me hand and chuck it all in in one bite. That's what I want. So, oh, it's, I'm glad you brought up pizza, because, like, so did you find the best pizza? What was the best pizza? Uh, it is, uh, it's actually a pizza joint that's north of the city in uh, a little town called Gardner, New York. And it is called, uh, the, the pizza joint is called Pasquale's. Sure, out and of Gardner, is, New York. Yeah. Uh, so it was, uh, that, that is the best pizza. Pasquale's in Gardner, it's New like, York. Yeah. like Joe Pasquale. Yeah. So, so what's so great about that pizza? Give us the lowdown. What did you go for? Uh, so you've got the crunch of the crust. You've got the, the thickness of the dough, it's pretty thin. And then the variance of types of pizzas that they make was crazy. Uh, they, they did like, not only did they do just regular white pies and, and pepperoni pies, but they did, you know, uh, they've got like this, they call it the crazy chicken where they've got like chicken on it, but then they've got like all of the barbecue sauces you could imagine on it. They have like this brisket pizza crazy it's like a craft pizza almost uh but they're 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 variants and then monetarily they're they're not like a million dollars a slice they're yeah. pretty uh pretty marketable like but a traditional was, way of cooking like with a like stone like pizza oven and stuff no so the best fire uh like this the the fire stone or i don't even know what the fuck you call that thing um like a uh, pizza stone yeah whatever that is grimaldi's in brooklyn Shout that place out to Brooklyn. Is, yeah, that that place was. If you want a good fire, like pizza stone, fire stone, whatever the car, yeah. Anyway, you've got yeah. it. Uh, whatever that is, <laughs> then you need to go to Grimaldi's just underneath the Brooklyn Bridge on the Brooklyn side of the the river, and it's amazing. Nice, nice. So, where do you stand? Are you a thin crust man or a deep pan kind of guy? Uh, thin, thin crust all day. Oh, yeah, oh, Chicago oh. pizza is that that thick crust stuff. It's like a it's like a casserole. It's not like a pizza. Yeah, I was going to ask because was. Was meant to have our good friend Tony coming on from Chicago, but um, he's rescheduled for later in the year now. But I was going to ask him about Chicago pizza because you know he's a Chicago native. He knows all this kind of stuff. He loves Chicago. He's talking. He's forever talking about the food in Chicago. So, like, have, have you been into like Chicago and had like traditional Chicago pizza? I haven't had a deep dish from Chicago, but I've had deep dish and Chicago yeah. style pizza. So. The the pizza in Chicago may be different, mm. but the Chicago style that I have had was not great. <laughs> what about you, Adam? You a, you a thin crust or a deep pan, man? Um, For me, it depends uh, on the topping. Yeah, I, I like it in the middle, really. I don't like a deep. I don't like it too fucking thick, but I don't like it thin. I like it like, original. You know, like I'm not, I'm not yeah. like a pizza snob by any means. As long as it's fucking bread, cheese on toast, you know, cheese yeah. on toast with some other toppings on, I'm happy, man. You know, fucking, I'm yeah, a burger I mean, man. That's what I like. That's my, yeah. my fucking thing. Burgers all the way. Yeah, because I remember I went to a um, one of those pizzeria places, and um, like I came out there, I was like, oh, we've got this uh, new type of like thin crust out, and I was like, yeah, give it a go, why not? But oh, mate, this thing looked like it was on top of a pancake. It was so thin. It had a fancy name, and I was like, what the fuck is this? It was like eating a topping that was on top of some paper, and I literally just rolled <laughs> the thing fucking up like a spliff and just ate it like a burrito. And I was just like, this isn't a fucking pizza. You're you're doing it right, though, because, like, that the New York-style pizza, you got to take it, you got to fold it in half, and then you eat it. Like, that's that's the way you got to eat the New York pizza. 
Well, there you go, then. So you, you did it right in, in my book. One. I remember this one time I was around ads. Oh, dear. And he made these burgers with that. What, what, oh, those really good ones. What, oh, what, fucking what hell. What sauce was it? Was that the 357? Mad Dog uh, 357, I want to call it. Yeah. Yeah. It's a hot sauce, basically. Yeah, Mad Dog 357. Oh, were, I still dream about them. Every now and then, because you went through this stage, didn't you, where you collected? I think at one point you had like thirty different hot sauces in your cupboard. Yeah, I was in. I was into hot sauce majorly. I go through like phases of like things that I really like get obsessed with, and I was really into hot sauces. And um, I was like, I've got to get hotter. I'll get the best. And then once you get to the hottest, you then got to go like the artisan, you know, I want the, I want the ones that are handcrafted by the children in Chile, and I want, you know, you get all the crazy weird shit. And right. Aaron come, Aaron come around one day, and I think we was going out that night, and I said, oh, look, oh, let's make some burgers up. So, you know, me being, uh, you know, English and not knowing how to make a burger properly, I just got a slab of fucking minced beef, and I had some onion, so I chopped some onion up, min- min- you know, minced it all up with my hands, and chucked in a load of this... Yeah, didn't fuck around with the egg. No, I didn't fuck around with the egg. No breadcrumbs. Fuck that. Um, chuck this Mad Dog three five seven in there, um, which is like really fucking. I think it's like a million Scoville units. It's quite a lot. It's fucking loads. Well, it's it's three hundred and fifty-seven thousand, isn't it? Uh, uh, well, it depends because it all comes under the same name of Mad Dog three five seven. Oh, does it? Yeah, so yeah it they've got which, six or seven oh, okay. different, different yeah. levels of it's like. Um, and it was it was a pretty good one because it was on my hunt for for finding it so this was quite strong and I poured it in and happy days and made it you out you put in like what a, you put in like what, a, a table like a tablespoon yeah a tablespoon mm. um, yeah but it was good it was good shit man yeah. oh it was it was just so right on that heat where there was a presence for it but the, the flavour over sort of um, outweighed the, the hotness of it yeah like, it was but there was still that nice little bite just to let you know it was still there and, and then there was the uh, the sausage casserole, and that just had us outside the toilet taking turns all night. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a good story for everyone. Um, yeah, because you know, I'll I'll, t- I'll tell the boring story anyway. And sorry, I know you've got shit to talk about, but you know, we you just ran on about stuff. But um, there was this in my quest for hotness. Um, Aaron used to come around my house a lot, and I'm sure it was one Wednesday night, or it would have been a Saturday night, and. I put this hot sauce in. It was like a sausage casserole, so it's really simple. Sausage, smart sauce, and blah, 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 stuff like that. Yeah, a few potatoes here and there. Yeah, and I put in this fucking hot sauce. I don't even know which one I put in there, but it was fucking... It just... It was an annihilation of the anus. <laughs> so, yeah. me and Aaron, like, you know, my wife didn't touch my ex-wife, so my ex-wife didn't touch any of it at all. It was down to me and Aaron... So we're munching through this thing, couple of bevies, you know, with uh, happy days, and all of a sudden it's, well, I need to go shit now. Um, so I'm in the toilet. In my house, I only had one toilet, so I'm in the toilet, and while I'm, and I'm literally pissing fire, liquid fire out of my ass, and my guts are churning, I'm sweating, thinking this was a fucking bad idea. I get a knock on the door, and it's Aaron, going, mate, you need to finish. And I was like, mate, hang on. <laughs> and he's knocking again, like, I, I, bruv, I, need, I need to go right now and I'm like uh, so I've jumped out Aaron's jumped straight on the fucking toilet and he's done the same 
I would oh, not mate, be lying. About the last fifteen minutes of the thing. I would not be lying if I said that that didn't happen all fucking night until at least three in the morning. It yeah, was, the it was two worst and three, wasn't it? It was like four minute shifts, just back yeah. and forth all night, and all the wiping as well, man. <laughs> oh. It was fucking red raw. It was not a good place to be, man. So that yeah, was after that, my Vietnam, man. <laughs> Yeah, so I don't touch hot sauce anymore. I'm like, you know, leave that to the fucking... Leave that to the big boys. I'm not yeah. touching that shit, man. Leave that to the daredevils and the stuntmen of the world. Mm. That's my, my youngest son. He uh, he collects hot sauces like I collect whiskey, so he's uh, he's well-versed, and I'm pretty sure he's got 357 in his his whole... Like, he's got a whole cupboard uh, of his own stuff. So he's a, he's a big fan of that show Hot Ones. I don't know if you've seen that. Oh, yeah, that's fun, man. Yeah. Yeah, but he he'll go and he'll find like those sauces and get those sauces and just put it on. I don't know how his stomach handles that shit. I have like a a little dab on my finger and I'm I'm ready to just start crying everywhere. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah that's that's the same blessing. He he, he he really struggles. He has to have like a glass of milk with with stuff. He's gotten better over the past year, but before that, man, it was so funny watching him trying to eat a korma and he's sweating. He's like, oh, a I was doing Yo, yeah. a korma. <laughs> you know. There you go. Yeah, I was in uh, Thailand doing some training, and we were working with uh, some of their. I'm a, a parachute rigger by trade, and we were working with some of their the, the Thai Army parachute riggers, and uh, they were having mango. They had like slices of mango at lunchtime, and they were sprinkling this like white powder on it, and and they like offered it to us. And I'm like, oh, what is this? Is it sweet? And they're like, yeah, you'll like it. That's all. That's all they said. And uh, so I, I take a bite of it, and it was one of those deals where. Before it registered in your mouth that it was hot, like my nose immediately started just like gushing, and then my eyes were watering, and I'm like, "What the fuck is happening?" And then the heat like hits, and get like I started coughing. I thought I was gonna puke. My my mouth went numb. It was so bad. And they're just sitting there laughing their asses off, and I'm like, y- "Y'all are gonna kill me!" Like I'm this is this is how I die in Thailand because a hot powder substance that you put on my freaking mango. That was that was the worst I have ever experienced. What was it? Oh. I some form of chili powder, some some pepper chili powder that they made local. Oh, nice. I, I don't think I'll take it. I don't think I would eat anything if it was a white powder on top of a mango, though. I probably would have gone, "Now nah, you're right." I, yeah, I was sprinkling some PCP on there, you motherfucker. Yeah. <laughs> I was trying to do like the whole like cro- you know cross cultural thing and and be super open and receptive, and that was a great trip. We we had a lot of awesome. You were shows. showing off. That's what uh, yeah. doing. Well, I, I was, you know, <laughs> trying to to show that I wasn't afraid and was going to do it. No, you've got it. Yeah, yeah. yeah no, I, I I fucked up. I fucked up bad on that one. That was a terrible decision. See, cultural appropriation. I think it's fine, but every now and then it can backfire on you. It will bite you in the ass. I feel like every time it, it comes around, it bites you in the ass. Yeah, man. Oh man. So speaking of being bitten on the ass. You're a um, a man of the world, as such. Have you ever uh, encountered anything nasty in the animal kingdom yourself? Yeah, in Iraq. I don't know what they're called. They are these endangered insects that look like um, – their back half looks like a grasshopper, but their front half – are you familiar with like a crawfish? Like a, They look like those little tiny lobsters. Oh, yeah, those crazy things. Yeah, so, like, their head looked like a lobster, and they had almost like a praying mantis claws in the front. 
they so bizarre. We called them devil bugs. We had no idea what they were, and they were terrifying. There were some big ass spiders. I don't do spiders, and we saw a lot of very large spiders there that fucking freaked me out. But it was these these devil bugs that would come out at night, and they were terrifying, absolutely terrifying, because they just looked they, like they were came straight from hell. Uh, they there were demons in these bugs. I'm determined, and we were yes. welding one night, and uh, and. One of these little fuckers, I'm welding uh, this gate back together, and this little fucker jumped into my mask, my welding mask, and is just flopping around between my face and the mask. So I I throw the welding rod off to the side. I rip my mask off. I freaking go run around because I'm a giant pussy, and uh, it was not it was not okay. And I ended up oh, my older died torching the welding rod. Yeah, it was it was bad. But yeah, those those have been the the weirdest and worst insects I I have ever. I have ever encountered. But, yeah, I remember um, my dad. Just because I'm a, just because I'm a geek and I found the information for you. The thing that you're talking about with the uh, grasshopper and the mantis hands is called an Egyptian flower mantis, um, and they are a weird looking thing. I'm going to just chuck it in the chat just to see if it's the same thing. Um, I'll put a picture up for everyone uh, later. There we go. It's- Oh, it's taking. To, oh, it's gonna fucking take ages to upload now. Oh, you mother! Oh, okay. my, uh, my dad was stationed out in Belize, and he woke up one morning with a uh, a huntsman spider spread right out across his chest. <laughs> Let's have a look at this. Thing. No, those the huntsman spiders are crazy. Those things are so big. Uh, so this this wasn't it. This was, that oh, bug. No. Yeah, well, they're a camel bug. spider. Have you seen those things? I know you've oh, yes. that in Iraq. Those things are horrid, man. Yep, I saw one that was about as big as my face, uh, and, it, and, it, and it was it was the most like inopportune time because I again, spiders are the one thing that will oh, literally turn me that, into yeah. a five year old girl. Right, I'll run screaming like a five year old girl every time. But oh, they, uh, but so we were walking into this tower. And in the bottom of the tower was our, our fire data control center. So all of these artillery guys, you know, these big, hard, tough army dudes are there. And I opened the door, and the guy that was with me, he's like, hey, Ian. And and I go to turn around, and I turn towards the door. And there on the door, like four inches from my face, is this just hand-sized oh, camel spider. Oh, I'm frozen. I can't oh, move. Uh, Cannot move at all. And, the like, so now the artillery guys are like, kill that thing, kill that thing. And I'm like... I can't move. So this dude comes over, swats it down with his hand, stomps on it, and he's like, what the fuck's wrong with you? And I'm like, <laughs> I'm going to go now. <laughs> I lost all credibility in that moment. Oh, but I would have I would have ran like a bastard because my biggest – when I see stuff like that, like if I see spiders like in the room, I'm not too fussed about them as long as I know where they are. But if I see one that's too close, my brain automatically just goes, it's going to jump at you. So if I saw something like that, on, oh, mate, I would have legged it like it was a fucking face hugger or something. And that's why I didn't want to move, uh, because I was I was so afraid that it was going to do that. You ever see the movie Arachnophobia? Long time ago, uh, yeah. Like that, like that damn thing was going to just jump right at you. Here, I found a picture of it. It's uh, it's called a mole cricket. Oh. <laughs> what a fucking name like that. Oh, that sounds like a face only a mother could love, on it? Yeah, we yeah we called them devil bugs. That's what we call them. But yeah, it's, it's called them. You get, you, get a, you get a bush baby. You th- you know what you're getting, didn't you? You're like, oh, a bush baby. And there's like, oh yeah, here's a mole cricket. It's like, oh yeah. Oh, look at the fucking state of it. 
I've just Googled it. <laughs> yeah. Oh. <laughs> so that, that thing, right, was literally jumping around inside my welding mask, uh, hit me in the face, and that's so, yeah, they, they were terrible. They were absolutely terrible. How big are they then? Uh, this one, I mean, the, the average one that we saw was probably two and a half, three inches long. And Ugh. probably about three quarters of an inch wide. Oh fuck, that's like a grub. Yeah, they were they were big, and they were very unpleasant. <laughs> yeah, they sound like they suck. Did they yeah, like hard. a bite or anything? Cause... I'm sorry. Did they did they bite or anything? Or were they just fucking horrible bugs? I didn't give that one the opportunity. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so I, I can't answer that question uh, definitively. It did not bite me. But uh, out of a grenade launcher. Uh, I, I honestly I don't know what happened. I kept running. I dropped my mask in the welding rod and just ran. <laughs> like heading for the hills, thing. calling in a tick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> Why was there a giant freaking explosion? Uh, I found a bug. Here you go, Aaron, I'm just sending some pictures in the chat of this fucking thing, just so you can see. It's in someone's hand. Look at the fucking size of it. Oh, it's like, have you seen those um, massive beetles over in fucking New Zealand that eat carrots? I I think so. Yeah, I think an old uh, Peter Jackson named his studio after them. They, they're called, do you have a W? Oh, mate, they're like proper fucking... Oh, they just don't look real. They're just so big and clunky looking. They look like models that were like made for like 80s horror movies or something, but they're, they're straight up fucking real. The, the jungle produces some of, in my opinion, some of the scariest shit that, that, that is out there. And it, insects, I, mammals, reptiles, those things don't bother me at all. I love them to death. Uh, the bears were, I, I respected the bears when we were in Alaska, but the, I was never, it was never one of those like, like total fear moments. The total fear moments I can recall when it comes to any sort of creature has all been insects, spiders, like th- that type of thing, where I, I legit freeze. I cannot move. And insects, people that, like, play with them, like, they'll hold them in their hands. And I'm like, no, how the fuck are you? Like, those people are oh. <laughs> crazy brave. <laughs> this yeah, guy, not was, so much. I was watching this show a few weeks ago, and there was this um, old British guy. He was out in America somewhere, I think. But he was like about 70 odd or something, and he like got into this old rotted log and was just crawling through it with like this like little like, GoPro camera on his head. And this log is just teething with insects, that are, like long centipedes and millipedes oh. and roaches, and they're just crawling all over him. And he's just holding him up to like the camera. Oh, this one's this one. And he was have he was like a kid in, a, in like a fucking sweet shop. And then he was just like, well, I can't get out of this end, so now I've got to crawl backwards. It's oh. going to take me about forty five minutes. And it's like in the dark, surrounded with insects, cramped. Forty five minutes crawling backwards. Oh, he, he was loving it, mate. I thought you were a fucking freak. Bro, you started talking about that shit, and the hair stood up on my arms, like, legit. Oh. I, I, I got the freaking the chill bumps, because I cannot fathom that. Yeah, I was super brave the other week. I was barefoot in my garden, and I saw this stag beetle coming towards my foot, and I thought, I'm going to be as fucking brave as I can, and I thought, well, if I let it crawl over my foot, we'll call it mission accomplished. 
But as soon as it put its first foot on my toe and I felt the weight of him pushing down to get the rest of his body up, I was like, no, this is a living thing. Get the fuck off me. So I dragged my foot away and, mate, he was holding on for dear life. But I didn't want to go too fast. I didn't want to rip his leg off or anything and hurt him. But at the same time, I was like, let the fuck go. Because if this becomes to a thing where it's you or me, you're going fucking down. You're going. (laughs) (laughs) All right. I'm not pulling any punches. I will stomp the fuck out of you. A hundred percent. The camel spiders when we were deployed were awesome uh, because they, they would come at you not to like, you know, get at like hurt you or do anything. They were just trying to get into your shadow. They were trying to get out of the sun. But if you ran, it would follow your shadow. So it seemed like, yeah. So it was like they were chasing you. And uh, so you always like, if you just stood still, it would go, it would come up, you know, to wherever, you know, your, your shadow connected to your feet or whatever, and it would just kind of sit there. And that's, oh, that's all it would go. If, if you had the, the balls to do it. I never did. A couple of guys we were with, they sure did. Ooh. But I would run, and that thing would oh. chase me, and the guys would laugh at me, and I would crawl up on the Humvee and just, like, stand on the Humvee, and it would run underneath the Humvee and get in the shade. I was like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not fucking with this. Yeah, I couldn't do it. If, if I knew it was near me, I wouldn't be able to concentrate on anything. People would be like, how did you let that enemy tank go past? I'd be like, you seen the size of that counting beetle? Yeah. Oh, right, right. Oh. We had we had vipers there as well, like these, uh, I forget what the name of them was. And we didn't know that they were venomous at the time. But those, I'd grab those, I'd pick those up, no issues. Wouldn't yeah, even think twice about it. Reach- yeah, snakes and lizards don't bother me at all. And yeah. I was around my friend's house and like, the other day I put a picture of... Um, his uh, gecko up on the page of me like just holding it, little, cool little guy. And you know, things like that and snakes have them on my shoulders and stuff all the time and I go to some of my mates' houses and whatnot, but I don't know, man. Something about I think it's the frogs and insects. The fact that they can move quickly is just I'm I'm very flinchy. Yeah. Uh, like, like, I love horror movies, but if I'm watching one of jump scares in it, oh I'm the worst. I'm constant. I don't know why I put myself through it, but I do it all the time. So I love it. But when it comes to stuff like that, I think as well, the biggest worry is that if it makes me flinch, I can get away from it. I know it's not going to hurt me. I'm worried that I'm going to hurt it. Like, Absolutely. Out of a refit. Like, I don't want to hurt any bugs. I don't want to like slap a frog away and hurt it or something or anything like that. But I just, for their own safety as well, as, as much as mine, because I'm pretty sure a frog can have your hand off if given the uh, opportunity. Yeah. We just keep our distance from each other, but as soon as the hedgehogs are in the garden, that's it. I'm straight over there. I'm jiggling their chins and all sorts. Nice. Love it. Yeah, that was, uh, I don't know what it is about bugs. It's something about them just uh, that it strike this, this bizarre, like, fight or flight response from me. If I can see them, and that's another thing, though, but if I can, if, if they make their presence known before like a safe distance away. I'm totally cool with them. Tarantulas. I don't, tarantulas are a weird thing for me because they are spiders, but generally they don't surprise you. You're never surprised by a tarantula. They're out there. You can see them. They're yeah. out to where they're like, they're there. So I, I have no beef with them, but let me tell you if an insect surprises me, Ooh. it's life, it's life is over period. Yeah. Like that's a, that's just a thing. Like it, <laughs> you, you did not give me respect or common courtesy. So therefore your life, you, you just sacrificed yourself because you scared me. <laughs> now you're going to die. And usually with fire. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. I don't burn <laughs> bugs, but. Goes and gets the Glock from out the safe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, you know, <laughs> Oh, the, the Glock action going on. 
Well, well, it's like when people say Glock. A lot of the time I film when people say Glock, they're just talking about a pistol, but yeah. I think it sounds cool, doesn't it? It does. And everybody knows exactly what you're talking about when you say it. So, Absolutely. Yeah. You, I'm, I'm guessing you're a pro-Second Amendment kind of guy. I am. I am. Yeah. I'm a, a, a gun owner, a responsible gun owner. Let me clarify that so people don't get weird. Nah, so that's what we've got yeah. to be, isn't it? It's like with uh, like as long they're, as you're... Enjoyable for me. Yeah, there are people out there who own cars who aren't responsible. Right. You know, yeah. I mean, I mean, I don't know if um, older Caitlyn Jenner's killed anyone with a gun, but you know, <laughs> it's, it's what I, spend, I don't know where it? to. I don't know where to go with that one. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't. I don't remember reading about it, but. Other ones, yeah. It's, it's, it's always like, we've, we've talked about that on this show before, haven't we? Ad, we've sort mm. of looked at the whole sort of like gun thing, and we sort of like in the end because we don't live with that sort because of, there's a blanket ban here in um like the UK. Like, there's a very special circumstance you can have it isn't like farmers that we can have licenses and like gamekeepers, and um, but there were certain rules as well, wasn't there? Like, um, what is it with the gun cabinets? They've got to be, like, fastened to the wall or something? Yeah, they have to be fastened to a load-bearing wall. Um, it has to be a certain... It has to be uh, um, a certain size, certain safety measures in place. Anyone can get a shotgun license, but now they um, they need you to go for a psych evaluation at your GP before they can issue it to you. That's pretty cool. Um, yeah, just to make sure you are fucking of sound mind. But also, a lot of people won't issue you a shotgun license if you've got no reason to have one. Yeah, um, like if here. I went to get one and they were just like, oh, what do you want it for? And I'd be like, oh, I don't know, have it in my bedroom. They'd be like, well, what's the fucking point? <laughs> yeah, then you get, but then you have to get a firearms officer to come round to your house um, and they actually look at your gun cabinet. It must meet certain criteria just for us to get a shotgun. You know, just for us to get something basic, um, that's that's not, you know, it's going to, you know, as you point at someone, it's going to fucking kill them, but it's meant to kill pheasants and birds and partridges and stuff. Um, yeah. you know, it, it's, it's weird, like me and Aaron have spoke about before, you know, anyone in the world can go to a shop, as long as they're over 18, they can go to a shop and buy a kitchen knife and go outside and stab everyone in the fucking vicinity if they want to. Yep. You know, so, and and my argument against that is, if someone decides to buy a kitchen knife and goes on a fucking rampage, how can you stop him when you're just a person in the shop? How can you, you know, what what defence have I got as I'm not allowed to carry anything above a three inch blade, and he's got a kitchen knife? What am I supposed to do? Please put the knife down, sir. Oh no, you just stabbed my wife. Nice one. Thank you very much. You know, so I, you know, but idiots are going to be idiots whether they've got a gun yeah. or not, knife or not, mm. or whatever. You know, and that's what me and Aaron have spoke about before. I think, yeah, fuck it, everyone should own a gun. Because I think it's it's one of them things, like, I have a lot of knives. I collect knives, like I said, I like vintage knives. I've got crossbows and all sorts. But when I'm drunk and pissed up, I'm not going to pull them out and go, oh, Aaron, let me see if I can shoot a beer can off your head, you know, with the crossbow. Because that's not a responsible thing to do. Um, right. And, you know, and I think in, in America, like with you guys, if you're allowed a gun, you, the certain sense of responsibility comes with gun ownership, doesn't it? And sure, there's nothing stopping you getting pissed up, going out to the fucking fields and shooting a beer can off someone's head if you if you decide to. But I guess common sense dictates that's a really stupid fucking thing to do. 
say you don't do it. You know, it's it's a, it's a weird conversation, man. It's a weird it's a weird thing to have. But like we've said as well, like we've got like I think the the last like big terrorist attack in like London, for example, was committed on London Bridge with a fucking van. Right. Yeah. You know, and this that's, guy drove to... off and ran a bunch of, I think it ran like 12 people down or something. And now all along those um, pathways, they have um, concrete barriers every um, like seven feet or so to keep um, it from happening again. It's like that wasn't down to guns. That was down to someone with a fucking van. The terrorist attack in France, I forget what the, uh, I want to say Chamonix, but I don't think it was Chamonix. They're during one of their Christmas festivals, you know, that that truck killed a ton of people. Uh, we saw we saw an attack in New York City, small scale, uh, but again, that same thing. All of a sudden, now there's concrete barriers everywhere to prevent vehicles mm. from getting access to the sidewalks and stuff. But yeah, no, that's and again, there's there's another thing. How do you how do you regulate that? And that I, it all comes down to a mental health issue for me. And the the argument here tends to be, you know, uh, guns kill people and guns are bad. A, a gun is an inanimate object. The gun has to be given uh, an intelligent response in order to function. So you can look at the, the gun itself and say this gun is bad. But if you set that gun on a desk, it's not going to do anything. Uh, so I, I, we, the problem, I think, and the issue is is with the people and the mental health state and how how do you regulate the mental health state and how do you get good markers? Because there's plenty of people who can go in and pass a psych eval and they're shitty fucking people yeah. uh, that are that are ill-intentioned, and they mm. will go and do bad things. And, and that's a whole other thing, too. I, I, maybe it's different in, in England, but here, uh, bad guys are going to find guns. They're gonna yeah. go, they're not going to get a legal firearm. They're going to go buy it from some dude on the street. Oh, uh, yeah. And we still hear about shootings here that they happen inevitably. Like, there's still shootings in um in the UK. There's, we haven't had a school shooting for a long, long time. But um, no, it still it makes like, it slips through the cracks. Same with anywhere. Absolutely, yeah. Bad bad folks with with bad intentions are going to find the tools to do what they want to do. Uh, it, it all you know comes down to motivation. You can't you take them all. There's gonna they're gonna find it. They're or they're gonna find a different tool. They're gonna grab yeah. a truck. They're gonna grab mm-hmm. a, a knife or you know whatever. You know, I think a machete attacks in Tokyo or somewhere in Japan were a thing for a while. Dudes mm. walking around wielding machetes and shit. That was uh, terrifying. Uh, but you know, it's it, again, it's it comes down to the the people. You you want to stop does. the crime, you got to figure out the people. It's like you said, like people can look at a gun and say, "Oh, that's bad," and it's like, "Oh yeah, you can sit there and say the gun's bad and all this lot." But if that gun's being wielded by someone who's protecting you and then saves your life with that gun, do you run over and thank the person who saved you, or do you thank the gun? You thank the person. The gun didn't fucking save you. He did. Great analogy. Great you know? analogy. Mm. Yeah, you're so 100% correct. They can't have it both ways. I'm sorry. They can't. Yeah. So when a, a bad lot person's of... running around shooting people, it's like, it's not the gun's fault. It's the person's fault. It's the same the other way around. If someone saves you, it's them saving you. It's not the, the gun that didn't get up and go, oh, save the day, because it needs a hero wrapped around it. Right. Ugh. Right. And a lot of times... It, Bad guys with guns are stopped by good guys with guns, and I. I this is a tough one for me. I, um, because it, if we take away the guns, we take away the ability for the good guys to have the guns as well, and then the bad guys who are going to get the guns anyway have literally no way to be stopped. 
Well, yeah. if, our English, if our British football team goes into the World Cup next year without a goalkeeper, I'm going to fucking kick off. So it's the same sort of thing, isn't it? I'd rather right. have a bunch of good people running around with them to protect me from the bad people running around with them instead of them saying, well, all the law-abiding people aren't allowed them. And it's like, but what about the people who aren't law-abiding? Oh, we'll try and take them off them. Where are you going to take them off them? You've got no guns. Oh, yeah. we'll, well a, a, appeal to their kind of nature. <laughs> Colourful <laughs> language. Hey, I don't know. Yeah. Hey, bad yeah. guy, please put your gun down. Let's just talk about this. Yeah, no, you won't say that after all. Yeah, <laughs> and that's it. Like, like, like let's talk this out. Like, Come on, you know, if if we're gonna fucking take if we're gonna take guns away or, or anything like that, it's like in the UK at the moment we have a problem with you know we we can't own guns, but like you said, people can still acquire firearms. You know, in London, there's people running around with guns, uh, pistols, you name it, and are doing drive-by shootings. You hear it all the fucking time. But what we've done in this country is actually remove the ability for anyone to be able to defuse the situation, like a good yeah. guy to be able to defuse the situation. Like, like I said, if someone someone goes into a shop and buys it, like I just looked at the Tokyo attacks um, that you're talking about, Tokyo stabbings. Um, there's there's a mass stabbing this year, August the sixth, um, in Tokyo. They went on um, like trains and stuff. They just start stabbing fucking people. We've got no, we can't. Um, let's have a look. I'm trying to have a look at how many people I could find. Uh, seven people. Seven people got stabbed on the 6th of August this year on a train because there's no way for anyone to stop them. And that's the same as if it happened over here. If someone got on a fucking train with a knife and started stabbing people up, what am I going to protect, you know, everyone with? Mm. You know, all the good guys, what are they going to stand up with? Their fucking books or their laptop bags and go, yeah. oh, please don't. If, like, if that's what if that subway bombing on this, like the 7-7 bombing that happened in London all those years back had happened in America, that guy wouldn't have had a chance to set, to set it off or take a hostage. He would have been shot down. Mm-hmm. But over here, like you said, we're going to do, fight him off of a book and a laptop. Yeah. And just, just hope one of those chavs nearby has got a blade on him. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Yeah, oh. and, and again, it all boils down to, uh, you know, Bad, bad people are going to find a way to be bad. And yeah. that's, that's just a, an unfortunate sign of our times. You know, as a society, yeah. as a global society, we're kind of in this weird funk right now where uh, we're, we're trying to make everybody safe. But by trying to make everybody safe, we're just enabling people who uh, mean to do harm mm-hmm. uh, an easier yeah. opportunity to do that. And that, that sucks. Well, it's, it's like with people here. We've been... We don't know how how bad it is over in America, but here in England, um, we're, obviously they can't get guns. And I'm not saying, oh, if they had guns, it would be safer. But because they can't get guns, they use other stuff instead. And a big problem here is acid. People are constantly, mm. you're hearing about acid attacks, people getting acid thrown in their faces, people smashing into nightclubs, throwing acid around at people. You hear about it all the time. And it's like, I don't know what I'd rather have. Someone shoot me in the fucking shoulder or something and wound me that way. Or, or throw a half a pint of acid in my fucking face. Oh, I'll take the bullet every time. Yeah. yeah well, I'll fuckers, take a bullet. Yeah, give me a bullet in both shoulders. Because uh, the acid attacks, they, they put acid into fruit shoot. I don't know if you guys have it over there, but like tiny little bowls. Um, and yeah, they're like, like, they're like those, um, those, like those, uh, 
Capri it's like, something. Like a Powerade. It's like a, it's like a, no, it's like a Powerade bottle or a Gatorade bottle, but really small. It's tiny. Yeah. And they yeah. put them in them. So the chavs or people have them in their pocket. It's something so innocuous that you're never going to notice. And they got this tiny little bottle and they just fucking spray it because they can go right up close to someone. Yeah, and they can aim the bottle it out, can't they? Yeah, and they spray it in people's fucking faces, man. And then they rob them or all sorts of stuff. It's like, what the fuck are we doing? I mean, I know people who've had their bikes nicked and pe- they, when people have tried to confront the bike uh, thieves, they go up with these bottles and spray acid over them. You know, it's ridiculous. So yeah, and I'm, I'm not, I, don't, I don't know anyone who's been burnt yet, but I've, I've known I've known people who have had their um, like bikes nicked by people like like pointing bottles at them. Yeah. And they just and they just been like, I know what that fucking is. Yeah, have it. Yeah. And it's, yeah. Oof. Oof, no. But so yeah, like you say, you could get rid of all the guns if you wanted to, but there are much worse things out there that people will run to. And I mean, even if people can't, some of these people can't find acid and shit. Some of them end up just fucking making like prison napalm and shit, and just yeah. running out with that and just oh. Uh, the Oklahoma City bombing back in. Was it the the late 1990s? That was fertilizer. Timothy McVeigh went and bought just normal lawn fertilizer at you know the big box whatever lawn and garden store. Packed mm. it all up into a into a U-Haul truck, set a fuse to it, and killed 200 plus people. Yeah, well, they, they've got to do that stuff now, haven't they? Like when um, if that, that changed the law over in America, didn't it? Now if you yeah. buy large quantities of fertilizer, you have to have um. Like uh, a, I think like DEA have to go over it or something or someone like that. Some yeah, there's a, it's something about farmers. Like farmers yeah. are like the, they're allowed, but there there's a process now to to get massive quantities of it. But yeah. it's uh, yeah, it's it's weird, man. It is crazy. I remember seeing on yeah. TV there's like FBI agents were going through like these um all the right paperwork to make sure that this um large uh, fertilizer shipment was going exactly where it was said to go and everything and I was and they went into that whole fertilizer bomb and I was like Jesus literally just doing it with the um compact gas that's in the fertilizer and just it's insane with that carbon monoxide in there it's just oof mental yeah it's unbelievable but then you get all the really dodgy ones as well don't you that they used to like, like particularly over in Ireland like the IRA and things like that you'd hear about the pub bombings and things like that and that some of the things they would use were just things you could just find in like kitchens and shit, just like everyday cleaning materials and yep. like say like and like farming chemicals and stuff like cleaning solvents. It's like Jesus Christ, these people they figure it out. I mean, they must lose a couple of fingers here and there, but. And what has always blown my mind about terrorism, right? Terrorism is this this weird thing that I I, I look at with intrigue it disgusts me but i look at it with intrigue because here are these people expending all of this time and this energy and this work to create devices or substances or things that you know will cause bodily harm and and that takes a lot of brain power so can you imagine if these people took that same brain power and developed an irrigation system developed mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, some sort of superfood, some sort, you know what I mean? And, yeah. and that's where I, I get so heartbroken. And we saw that a bunch when we were deployed, we would see these intricate, unbelievably complex devices that some dude learned how to build. God damn, this guy would be a brilliant engineer and could be creating 
yeah. systems that save people's lives. And you if look they, at if they reapplied themselves. Yeah, yeah, and it's and the flubs of the Nazi Nazi scientists, isn't it? Like the whole Operation Paperclip thing. It was like we needed those scientists because they were they were brilliant, brilliant scientists. But at the same time, it's like when you see what they were being used to do, it's like fuck, you know, if that had been put to good. Well, I don't know how far advanced we could be by now, but... Well, I'm well the, the Germans were 20 years ahead of us. Uh, oh, easy. In, in weapon technology, in, in chemical stuff, they were they were at least two decades ahead of all of the, the stuff that we had currently to fight them. And that was the big push to get those scientists. And there was a lot of moral... Uh, what's the word I want? Compromise. They, they compromised a whole lot of morality to... to gain that knowledge and to, to take these guys who were literally just went from killing American soldiers and British soldiers to, to now in positions of revered, you know, scientific annals of what, you know what I mean? Like it, it's crazy, uh, how that whole, that whole thing went down. And then a lot of the research and all that stuff that they developed came from the fact that they had slave labor with the Jews from the concentration camps. They had the Jews that they were using to conduct these crazy experiments on, you know, physiology, how high can a human go and not die? Uh, yeah. how, how long can a human sit in cold water? And then developing technology around these things that they were learning as they were killing these, the, the members of the Jewish community that they yeah. had in these camps. That's eugenics, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. It just. Yeah. It's like that guy. Who, that, that dude, I can't remember his name, but he, he was the one who separate, he was able to separate hydrogen from oxygen as like a, um, its own molecule sort of thing. And he was also the same guy who then invented Zyklon B, which they used to kill the Jews. It was like he has this huge, irreplaceable um, contribution to science and then goes on and does that. And it's like, oh. <laughs> uh, Warner von Braun, who's one of the fathers of NASA, yeah. he developed V2 rockets and the V2 rockets decimated London. But we wanted that space technology. We wanted what he had to give, and, and we needed to get this, you know, to create this weapon that could go up and rain down freaking fire and death onto Russia from from space. We'll be so again, if uh, China yeah. were going to go out there and do it first, for real, for real. Yeah, and that's it, you know, yeah, it, it's it's pretty crazy how how that whole thing went down, and and yeah, and again, it goes back to. What people are willing to sacrifice anything and everything in order to to get that that mechanical advantage, but at, at the end of the day, what what if? Mm, what if but, they did it for good? I know what you mean because I was watching the other day a um, documentary series, at, um, Turning Point, about the um, 9/11 and the um, results that um, came from it afterwards. And there was there was a segment on there where they were talking about these IEDs out in um, like Afghanistan and Iraq and stuff. And they, in their own way, they're quite ingenious on how they do it because they're like very simple uh, devices, really. For, for these people, they just find them and put them together. But it's the way they then hide them by like dig, quickly digging out a hole, putting it underneath. Bearing it over and then spraying it with water, so then when the um so it pushes it all down level, the sun fakes the, the water and it's gone within like a few minutes, and then it just looks like there's it's never been touched for like a hundred years. It just looks like a normal patch again, yep. and it was just like Jesus, it, this 
it goes, it's like with these prison documentaries you watch. If you've got limited resources, it's amazing how resourceful you can become and what you can do with such simple, minimal things like fucking MacGyver or something, but even more <laughs> impressive because it's real. Right. It's, it's like they make keys in prison by snapping their um, toothbrushes, heating them up, and then pushing them up against locks so that the melted plastic moulds into the gaps, sets, like, rock hard, and then they turn it, and it's, it's a fucking key. But someone sat there and worked that out, thinking, how can I get out of this room with nothing but a toothbrush and a lighter? And they fucking figured it out, and it's like it's the same out there. They, they have these little things, and they'll be like, if this can be used as a weapon, we will figure out how to use it as a weapon. Yeah. And that's that's super unfortunate. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I I would love to see that ingenuity put put somewhere else. I mean, why haven't we figured out cancer or, or solved AIDS yet, you know? Uh, oh, we yeah. have crazy, crazy tools of, you know, uh peacemaking, I guess is the right term, or or war making, whatever you wanna however you wanna look at that, but uh we still have you know, viruses and bugs that are decimating populations of, of the world. Yeah, so. I always think that whenever they bring out a new model of, like, the iPhone, like, a year after, like, not even, like, a year after the last one, it's like, really? Do we really need to spend all that time and money on a new iPhone? This one hasn't even run its contract out yet, and you're still yep. bringing out in new ones, really? Are we not good for a year? At least a year. We should be. Yeah. It's like, oh, come on, people. Just, I mean, I'm all for, like, you know, capitalism and globalization is the way of the future. Economics is, is what helps boost society. But at the same time, it's like, can we just, we're good for entertainment now for like at least, I mean, probably for a decade. We could stop making stuff now and we'd be more than occupied for the next 10 years. But I'm just saying, let's just stop for six months and use that money instead to like maybe get rid of cancer. Just for six months, we'll just catch up on all the box sets that are on Netflix. We'd, even if we live for every day for the next hundred years, we're never going to finish all the stuff that's on Netflix and Amazon Prime. There's not <laughs> enough time in the world. There's enough podcasts and books and movies out there that death, holiday destinations and porn. We are good for entertainment. But that, for at least, at, least yeah. Yeah, at least a year. Yeah. It, we just keep like keep on coming. They've got to keep pushing it out, and it's like no, just just stop, take a breather. Like we did with COVID, we just took a we took a break and was, and then we were like, oh, it turns out the environment's doing a little bit better after that those six months. You know, trees are growing in places where they weren't growing before. The insect populations went up a little bit. And it's like, oh, this is all right. You know, if we could just do that once every twenty years, just to take care of business, I'd be up for that. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm with you. Yeah, no lockdowns though. That's ridiculous. Yeah, no, that, they, uh, <laughs> that's that's a challenge. Yeah, you know, you, you know what happens when you have lockdowns. Seventy thousand new podcasts happen when you have lockdowns. Yeah, yes. that's it. That's it. And if you want, if you want the airwaves to be blocked up by podcasts, fucking woof. Yeah, and I, I, I don't, I don't want to make that sound like that. That was a bad thing. I, uh, I've, I've jumped into a beautiful network of people that, that I've met through podcasting who started because of that. And there's a lot of folks yeah, that created some really great stuff and, and, and put out some really excellent things. And, and I'm so glad that there was a creative outlet that existed for them to do that. Uh, but then there's, there's those ones where you're just like, you should not have done this. <laughs> you should have stuck to painting. <laughs> yeah. Well, there was most of the ones we've come across, they've, 
they've been all right. Like some of them we checked out. Like there were some that I've um, listened to that um, ultimately they, they were good if you're into that sort of thing, but they just weren't for me. But there was a couple, and there was one I just sent ad. I won't say who it was because I don't want to like shame anybody. But this was put in the early days, and I was like, mate, there's this podcast of this dude who's talking to himself like in an interview sort of layout but he's trying to do a different voice for the person he's supposedly interviewing and you can just tell it's him do you oh remember that he was like he was yeah, trying yeah. to do like a chinese accent or something and it was like mate we can tell it's you and it's, this isn't good it's kind of racist and it's just <laughs> i don't know if it is it meant to be funny is it meant to, but it was just really confusing and we were just like oh, okay we'll just let this guy crack on with whatever he's doing if he's happy you know do your thing but yeah but a lot a lot of the time of the most trouble we've had really has been from fans we've we'd be saying that with like air quotes you know some, some, sometimes we you'll get someone who feels they're like oh because i listen to you i can tell you how to run your show yeah and it's like ah oh, here we go these are fun conversations yeah oh, I, oh. there's a big difference between constructive criticism and uh, being a just being an ass, being an asshole, yeah. Like that, yeah. and there have been a lot of folks that have reached out to me, and, and the, it's the people that do it privately. Hey, man, have you thought about maybe adding this or doing this? And it's never content or podcast. It's usually just uh, sound quality stuff, yeah. you know. And the, and I, I absolutely love that. I the the folks that have reached out to me, and there's been I've I've tried to return that favor and be very gentle about it with folks who have some struggles and challenges with, with sound quality uh, and, and they get super defensive. I don't ever go into like content or, or what their show is, you know, because shit, there's enough podcasts out there right now to where if you just want to, you, there's yeah, 27,000 podcasts on this you, subject. You haven't got to yeah, listen to it. You've got an options. Yeah, yeah. You can go find something else. But, uh, but when it comes to folks that, and I've got a, a lot of folks that I, I really enjoy and I've been able to reach out and say, Hey, cool. You know, have you thought about maybe changing the setting on your computer and see what that does for you? And, you know, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. And it's just there's but there's a big difference between being critical and, and being having constructive criticism. Mm. Yeah. So I've had someone before get in touch with me and said, oh, yeah, I really enjoyed the show. But um, sometimes you uh, interrupt ad a bit too much. And I'm like, oh, I didn't, didn't realize. And I listened back and I thought, like, oh, yeah, they're right. Actually, I do. So we sort of, but stuff like that, it, it helps you make the show better. But when we've got people messaging in saying, we want you to, I want you to do this on the show. And then we say, oh, it's not really for us. And then they, then they demand to know why not. It's like, I don't fucking owe you anything. Mm. <laughs> what the fuck is this? You don't like it, isn't it saying else? <laughs> I've, I've had people reach out to me and be like, hey, bro, uh, let me be a guest on your show. I want to talk about this, this, and this. And I'm like, well, no, uh, first off. Because it's it's my show, right? You're not going to freaking <laughs> tell me what yes, I'm going to yeah. do on my show. Uh, if you'd like to join me, I'd always I love guests. I love having people on. And uh, but my niche is pointed. You know, it's uh, it's a history focus with with whiskey on as like the icing on the cake, right? And uh, so I I'll try to like counter offer and be like, yeah, let's try to work it into maybe this, and then you get the you know, it's like, well, okay, you can fuck off. I'm good. <laughs> well, it would be an absolute crime to let you go without finding out what whiskey is you're drinking tonight. 
I've seen uh, you uh, having a few slugs there, my friend. I was really knocking it back there. Yeah, this is a. So I, I did, obviously I didn't bring any with me to uh, to where I'm at right now. So I, for some strange reason, my uh, my dad had some Jameson downstairs. So I, I took a little like a drop of Jameson Irish yeah, whiskey a, again. Yep, I took a little pull of Jameson, and it's been it's been delicious. It's wonderful. Yeah, I used to enjoy the old Jameson back in the day. Every now, it was it's quite expensive still. It's twenty five pound, I think, for a bottle of that here, which is quite wow. expensive for a whiskey, particularly yeah. one that's not a uh, like a, a single malt. Like we used to buy things like uh, Old Pulteney and mm. like Bush Mills, Glen Morangi, and that would be. It was like the Johnny Walker, like Green Labour as well. That would normally be around the 30, 35 pounds sort of mark, weren't it? Mm. And uh, those are, and like, uh, what was the other one we used to get? Uh, there was Jura. That was always a cheap one. Oh, Jura's rough. Yeah, Jura's we, we so rough. Ever, we weren't ever big fans of that one, were we, Mike? We, used to, like, we were more Glenn Fiddich. Love it. Love yeah. it. Glenn Morangi, actually, you mentioned Glenn Morangi. That's probably my, my favorite Highlands uh, scotch. I, I love their entire lineup. So I'll, yeah, I, pr- I pursue them. The 12-year one is the one we used to get quite a bit here. It's the easiest the, one. It's quite common here, isn't it? You can go to pretty much any, um, like, well, even like the like what we'd call them corner shops, just like your liquor stores that sell, like the newspapers and news agents and shit. Even they would have, like, like a bottle of Glen Morangi up behind Is that the red label or the green label? I think that's a red one. Yeah. The, yeah, the La, yeah. La Robusta, La Robusta, or something like that. Well, but yeah, I, I know exactly what you're talking about, and I, I yeah. love it. I think I've got, I mean, other than some of their like super exclusive stuff, I've got most of their lineup right now, and I, I enjoy it. I haven't opened. I got a just found a, a great price on a bottle of their Signet. I haven't touched that yet. I'm, I'm anxiously awaiting to, to crack that sucker open. Yeah, at the moment, my. Uh my stepdad's really gotten into like um, bourbons over the past year or so. So him and my mum have been like sort of enjoying those. And at the moment, I think their favourite is a Maker's Mark. Wonderful, great yeah. whiskey. They great also whiskey. like that. Um, it's uh, is it Wild Buffalo as well? I think is one. It's like a Kentucky one. Uh, Buffalo Trace. Yes, Buffalo Trace. That's it. Yep. And there's also. Um, uh, <laughs> this is funny. Uh, not Knob Creek. I Knob Creek is is excellent. I uh, yeah, see, you're I talking was, bourbon. That's my language. So because yeah, I was always funny because I was like that's, that's also a name for like a, that's got like a gay bar in it. Welcome to Knob <laughs> Creek. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. So are we going for the vagina or are we going straight up Knob Creek? What's going on there? <laughs> I'm coming in 100 proof. Don't you fucking forget. Well, I'm like a burglar, mate. When I come in, I come in. Fucking <laughs> hell. Oh, that's that's perfect. I'm uh, I'm probably going to use that later. <laughs> that's that was awesome. Uh, Ad, mate, you anything to add? No, no, I think we can end it on Nub Creek. Absolutely. I can't think of anything else to end it on. Absolutely, mate. Nothing like kicking down the brown door and painting it white on the way out. Well, <laughs> see you by Knob Creek, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> but yeah, no, it's, it's, it's a pleasure. It's a pleasure to have you on, Ian. Even though we oh, deviate lovely. a lot from whiskey, but hey. Oh, no, 
I've been looking forward to this, fellas. This was incredible. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, you and, too, mate. And all the best to you and yours and your um, son as well. Best to him too. Thank you. With his, with his new ventures. Hopefully he's taken well to it. He is. He's doing great. Excellent, Mike. Mike, thank you so much for coming on. That was wicked. Yeah, it was good, man. Have a good All one, right, Mike. Take care. Bye.